mentioned, we are in this series called Deeper and Wider. We're in this series for the month of September because it's really the, the theme for the next season in the life of our church. And foundational to this theme is just the simple idea that, that we're invited to grow deeper in our faith, deeper in our relationship with Christ, and, and wider in our impact and in our conversations, in our sphere of influence. And so particularly over the course of this next year, in different ways, we're going to give you opportunities to take those kinds of steps, to go deeper and wider. We started last week, we talked about how we want to kind of partner with parents and helping them in the lives of their kids. And I would just encourage you, if you were traveling, if you weren't able to be with us last last week, and you'd love to know how we as a church family want to partner with parents, check out that message on YouTube. And of course, in inviting you to kind of grow deeper. We also want to invite you to grow wider in living out your faith. And one of the ways we're going to give you an opportunity to do that very soon is through our Church Beyond the Walls Sunday. This is just a reminder that this is coming up now as we launch into fall. This is just a few weeks away on October 15th. If you're new to our church, this is a day in which we go out into the community, we serve, we work on various kinds of service projects in our community, in our region. And uh, if you've got an idea for a service project, you can go on our website and you can submit that idea or you can just join a, a project that's already being planned. And this is also just a great opportunity. If there's someone you know, you'd love for them to kind of know more about Jesus, well, this can be a, a different way to kind of enter into that conversation just by seeing Christians serve other people. So it's a great opportunity to invite others to join us along the way. So please go ahead and mark your calendar. Be thinking about how you would like to be involved in that next month on the 15th. Now, Josiah has already highlighted some other opportunities as well. And uh, in talking about this, part of what I wanted to acknowledge this morning is in inviting you to take these steps there is an unstated question that needs to be addressed. And this question hasn't necessarily come to your mind, but it may not be too far below the surface, and and that question is simply this. It's the question, why? I mean, you've had had a busy week, many of you, and, and, and I think some of us... For some of us, this is the time of year when things start to ramp up. Your schedules are busier. There are more activities on the calendar. You're already feeling the weight of that. Some of you are already planning ahead, thinking about the holidays, and that adds its own complexity. And you have multiple opportunities in front of you. Some of you are already in a season of life where you're having to say no more than you say yes. So in the midst of all of that, you come into this church service and you're invited to take different steps. And the question is, why? In the midst of all the messaging and invitations you receive, why why should you take this seriously? Why should you make what we're talking about a priority? Now, that's actually a great question. I think it's an appropriate question. And, And in kind of talking through that question and responding to it, maybe I want to do it in a little roundabout way because I want to, I want to begin unpacking the why question 
by asking you to consider two other questions and just kind of answering these questions in your own heart and soul and your own mind. So I'm going to ask you two questions that I really want you to kind of sit there and mentally process. So the first question that I want you to think about, to ask yourself is, what's my vision for my life? I was at my gym uh, this week, and it's interesting because I, <laughs> I interact with people who don't know I'm a pastor. And so I have some fairly interesting conversations. And uh, talking to this one guy, and we've had a bit of brief interaction, he shared with me a little bit more of his story this week. And it became clear that, he, you know, early on in life, he made some mistakes. He got in trouble with the law. But now he's in a different season. And he was just kind of explaining, I don't know, just... I'm not sure why he unpacked some of this. He just started explaining this as we were talking. And, and what became very clear was this. He has a clear vision for his life. His vision is to avoid the mistakes of the past and make wise choices moving forward. I mean, it's, a, it's, just, it's just kind of very laudable to have this conversation with this guy. You, you know, he wants to avoid things he's done in the past and to make wise choices moving forward. There's a clear vision. I realize, I think for most of us, if somebody asks you this, what's the vision for my life question? Well, it's like, well, I don't necessarily have a vision. I realize many of us would say that. I don't even think in these terms. So maybe you could change the wording a little bit. You know, so what, what are you kind of working towards? What, what are the things you're working for, you're hoping for, you're dreaming about? What's, what's, those kinds of things really get to, well, what's your, what's your vision for your life? For some of us, maybe what comes to mind is, well, it's a, it's a next step in your work. What comes to mind is flourishing in certain relationships or maybe new relationships. Maybe what comes to mind is being, I want to be a faithful follower of Christ. Maybe you're a student, young adult, and it feels like you've got so much ahead of you, so much opportunity out there, and you just hope some of those dreams come true. Maybe for those of us that are closer to retirement, you're, you're thinking about next steps, and I want to prepare well for that next chapter. So just think about this. Just let, let a couple of things come to mind. What's What's your vision for your life? How would, how would you answer that? How would I answer that? And now let me ask you, let me, let me change the question a little bit, okay? Ask yourself this. What's God's vision for my life? Now, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Maybe you would say, well, you know what, I, I think God's vision for my life, God wants me to participate in what he's doing, and, you know, being engaged in, in church and in Christian fellowship, giving, sharing my faith. Maybe that's the first thing that comes to mind. I think for a lot of us, the first thing that comes to mind when we ask that question of ourselves is, well, it's obedience. So what, what about for you? You know, just, again, just... Uh, as you sit there, as you're joining us online, just, okay, so what, what do I perceive to be God's vision for my life? Now, just let one or two things come to mind and just, just kind of hold those for a second. And, and what I want to do uh, this morning is take us to two places in Scripture that I think really help us 
process this. And the first passage that I have in mind comes from 2 Corinthians. We're going to be in just one verse in 2 Corinthians in a moment. And you need to understand, in the opening part of 2 Corinthians, uh, Paul is defending and explaining his ministries. Uh, it turns out that the church at Corinth was really a complicated church that always seemed to have conflict, drama, and, and this included how they related to Paul the Apostle. And so in 2 Corinthians, Paul is, is addressing a variety, I think, of issues going on in the church, including criticism that has come up about his own approach to life, his own ministry. So what he's doing in the opening chapters, among other things, is he's, he's really explaining and defending his own ministry. And in the course of doing that, Paul leans into the Old Testament, and he taps into certain Old Testament themes as, as well as some Old Testament scenes in explaining his ministry, and among other things, building on the language of the prophet Jeremiah, Paul wants this church to understand that we are now living under the new covenant. That is right, the, the old covenant was the approach that God put in place with Moses and the law, but that, that was only for a season, and we're now under the new covenant, which the Old Testament anticipated, which was brought about by the work of Christ, and, and Paul wants these early followers of Jesus to understand that he is a minister of this new covenant, this new work that God is doing. And as he explains that, Paul says this, 2 Corinthians 3.18, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Now, I realize at first glance, if you just kind of read this cold and you're unfamiliar with the context, this just strikes us as a little weird, right? I mean, what do you, what do you mean, unveiled faces? Well, to understand that, you need to really go back to the context of 2 Corinthians 3 and furthermore, the Old Testament story that Paul is tapping into. Because what Paul is tapping into is, is really the narrative from the latter part of Exodus. Places like Exodus 33 to 34. And you go back to Exodus 33 to 34, and this is a time where Moses is going up on the mountain, the Mount of Sinai, to receive God's law, to receive God's instruction. And in, in the course of doing that, we're, we're told in this fascinating scene that, that Moses comes down from the mountain, and his face is just radiating because he has been in the presence of God. And he, it's almost humorous because it's like he doesn't fully get it, but everybody else sees it, right? And we get the feeling that other people are troubled and they're fearful because of, wow, look at Moses. And so we are told that what Moses does then is he communicates the law, but then he puts a veil over his face. And then there's this little additional information that is added. And that is, but when he went back into the presence of God, he took the veil off. 
And when you read the opening part of 2 Corinthians 3, you kind of see how Moses really riffs, <laughs> I mean, how Paul really riffs on this story from the Old Testament and uses it to make his point about the new covenant. And he uses a particular kind of argumentation. It's called a, an argument from the weaker to the greater. And in essence, he says this. He says, look, what God did under Moses was glorious in its own way. But it was temporary. It was fading. And, and if that is glorious, how much more, how much greater is this new covenant which God has enacted through the work of Jesus Christ. And notice what he says is part of the new covenant. Notice what he highlights here. Among other things, he highlights the fact that if you were a follower of Jesus, you have been, you've been brought into relationship with God, right? And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory. <laughs> where, where did Moses have his face unveiled? When he, was, when he was in the presence of God. And what Paul is now saying is, look, if, if you're a follower of Jesus, you, you've been brought into this amazing relationship. And what I find really intriguing in the broader context of Exodus, in this part of Exodus, it becomes clear that, that in terms of Moses' relationship with God, it's not simply the reality that Moses knows God. The author of Exodus also states that God knows Moses. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you've been brought into this relationship. where you can know God, and God knows you. Furthermore, notice in the context of this relationship, what happens? Transformation, right? We are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. Or if you want kind of a more, kind of a, a, a different kind of translation, we're being translated into his image step by step by step. Interestingly, the word here for transformation is, is the Greek verb <laughs> metamorpho, right? Metamorphosis. Now, just, just let that sink in for a moment. Remember a moment ago I asked you, so what's your understanding of God's vision for your life? And maybe different thoughts came to mind, different words came to mind, different terminology came to mind. How about this? You know what God's vision for your life is? Transformation. Nothing less than transformation. That's, <laughs> that's what Paul is saying right here. That more and more, your life, my life, would reflect the character of Christ step by step by step. Now, I realize in saying this, for some of us, this passage 
challenges our thinking. Because maybe when we think about God's vision, our vision is all about doing, right? I thought God's vision for my life was that I do certain things. God's, God wants me to do certain things. But here Paul is saying foundational God's vision, at the core of God's vision for your life, it's about becoming, becoming a person who reflects the character of Jesus. Uh, James Bryan Smith is a gifted theologian and author. I recommend his writings. I've really appreciated his writings. And in one of his books, you know, he's been writing for many years. He's been a theologian for many years. He makes this, I think, fascinating statement about his own life. And let me just quote it. He, he, he writes, and I quote, my greatest regret as a Christian, okay, my greatest regret as a Christian is the fact that for many years I thought faith amounted to keeping a set of rules. But Paul is taking us deeper than that. Right? Maybe that's where you're at. I, I thought God's vision is just I need to do certain things. But do you realize that God's vision for your life goes much deeper? A vision for you to be transformed at the very core of who you are. Now, in saying that, I also realize that for some of us, this passage fosters a great sense of failure, right? It seems idealistic. It seems unrealistic. Um, and maybe there are just ways we know I fall short. And for some of us, it's like, I've been a Christian. <laughs> I've been a Christian for years and years, and there are parts of me that don't look anything like Jesus. Are there moments where I really blow it? As some of you know, uh, Rose and I had the privilege uh, of a summer sabbatical um, of the last couple of months. And uh, right at the beginning of our sabbatical, things got complicated. Uh, we were doing a lot of traveling, and the only travel issues we had came right at the beginning of our travels. We arrived at Heathrow Airport in London, and we had a connecting flight that was canceled. Uh, furthermore, uh, we, were, we were told, hey, uh, we can get you on another flight in a day and a half. And also, we were told, by the way, there's no one here who can help you. Um, if you want help, here's the customer service line, or you can go to the website. And, can I just be honest, in the midst of that, I, I didn't handle that well. There was a bit of a meltdown in that terminal at Heathrow. I'm like, you got to be kidding. This is the worldwide headquarters of your airline, and you have no one here that can help me. <laughs> no, but here's the number. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That was, that was frustrating. And all the thoughts that, you know, it's like, oh, my goodness, we're, we're just starting the sabbatical, and now it's falling apart. What else is going to happen? I don't know. How am I going to deal with trying to, you know, get stuck here for a day and a half? Are there any other options? And so, I'm, you know, and I'm, I'm just kind of spewing a lot of this. And, and, and as it turned out, we were able to make alternative arrangements very quickly. And in the grand scheme of things, this just turned out to be a little hiccup. And we were only delayed a few hours, not a day and a half. And so... Things worked out, but you know the truth is in that airport I didn't look a lot like Jesus. Unless Jesus once had a cleansing of the airport terminal moment not recorded in the Gospels, which I'm now looking for, 
I did not look a lot like Jesus. And we have those moments. Some of us, we have those seasons. It's like, I know I'm a Christian, but God, I'm just... And if, if in hearing this, if this just becomes a weight to you to hear this statement, let me remind you what Paul says in a timely fashion right before this. Because if you go back to verse 17, here's what Paul says. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Right before he says this, he says this. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And I think in the broader context of what Paul is arguing when he says there's freedom, he is saying there is no condemnation. Now in reality, are there days, are there seasons, even at times years, perhaps where as followers of Jesus, we get stuck in this journey? I think that's the truth. But it's also the truth that if you are a follower of Jesus, you are on this journey. A journey where God's desire for your life is transformation. <laughs> and at times, sometimes it feels like we're actually moving. At times, it feels like we're not moving at all. At times, it feels like we're not moving particularly fast. But we are on this journey. Now, a passage that can help us uh, can give a little more detail of what this journey of transformation looks like is found in Colossians chapter 2. So as I said, I wanted to take you to two passages, and here's the second. As Paul is writing this group of early followers, he says this. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, and I think here he's actually talking about just as you've been taught about who Jesus Christ is, Continue to live your lives in him. And interestingly, the verb here is, is actually, you can translate it more literally, continue to walk in him. And I think Paul ties into this idea that, okay, this is a journey that you're on. You have received Jesus Christ, and that has put you on this journey of what God is doing, this journey of transformation. So what I want you to do is I want you to continue to walk in that journey. Now, what does it look like? Well, Paul then highlights four things. And in the original language, these things are clearly marked. First of all, he says, I want you to be rooted, right? I want you to be rooted in Christ. This, is, this I think, is a powerful image that communicates several things. It, it communicates the idea of, of nourishment, right? You know, we think about plants, we think about our trees, the need for the roots to grow, go down so that... The plant, the tree is well nourished. And Paul says, look, this, this journey of transformation is a journey where you need to, you need to be rooted in this, in this relationship in a way that it nourishes you, that it, it equips you. And I think rooted also communicates the idea of stability, right? We think about Trees, plants that are well-rooted, they're, they're stable in the midst of complicated weather and other circumstances. So to be rooted is to be someone who over time is, is not easily distracted, drawn off course, or sidetracked. Someone who isn't living or moving aimlessly. There's a stability there. There's a rootedness there. And of course, also, to be rooted over time is to become fruitful. 
because what the nourishment, the stability produces is fruit in our lives, in our relationships. So Paul says, look, this is, this is what that journey needs to look like, that you are rooted in Christ. Secondly, he says you're to be built up. And interestingly, when Paul uses this language, uses this architectural imagery, I think it, it's actually a corporate idea. This, he gives us clues elsewhere that this is what he's thinking. That is, to be built up is to be built up together. It's the image of we're kind of being built up as God's house, as God's temple. So it's, it is, it's a bigger image. It's this image that we are now in something bigger than ourselves, and we are being built up as part of that process in the context of relationships. Then thirdly, he says, you're to be strengthened. And I think this, this entails, well, just you're putting what you learn into practice. And it's what you put what you learn into practice that there's a stability that comes with that. And underlying the, the need for this strength is the recognition that at some points you're going to encounter circumstances you find difficult, challenging, unexpected. And over time, most of us will see that in our lives, so we need to be strengthened. And finally, Paul says, I, I want you to overflow with thanksgiving. And, and this, I think, appropriately comes at the end of these themes. That is that, you know, as, as you're rooted, as you're being nourished in Christ, and just kind of, as you're growing in that relationship, as he's at work in your life, as you're being built up in the context of community and strengthened as you put things into practice, it's going to be more natural for the, you than just to overflow into thanksgiving because as you, these things happen, you're going to see God at work. You're going to see new dimensions of God's love and his mercy and his faithfulness. Now, having looked at these passages, let me, let me just kind of highlight a couple of impl implications, I think, of what we're seeing. That is, as you embrace this vision, um, let me just highlight a couple of things. I think, first of all, as you embrace this vision, notice it takes place in community. Right in 2 Corinthians passage, in that 2 Corinthians passage we looked at, Paul says, look, we all, this is, this is what's happening to us together. Likewise, in Colossians, when Paul talks about being built up, I think he's envisioning this is happening together in the context of relationships. So this vision of transformation, it takes place in community. Secondly, it involves both learning and unlearning. And I think we need to be aware of that. If we're on this journey of transformation, even as there are things we're going to learn, there are going to be things we need to unlearn. Certain patterns of speech, certain patterns of thinking, certain patterns of behavior. Even as we talked about grace in our last series recently, it was just encouraging for me to hear from people who said, you know, I'm, I'm just coming to a deeper understanding of this. coming to slowly understand myself as a recipient of God's grace, and that just changes things. That's huge. 
And that's part of the journey. This journey of transformation, there's going to be learning and unlearning that takes place. And, and, and just one other observation that I would make is just to help you see that this is God's work, but we participate. Right? We need to understand, ultimately, foundationally, this is God's work. Paul says, you are being transformed. He does not say, transform yourself. Yet he also says, look, as you've received Christ, continue to walk. Participate. You have a role to play in this journey. And that brings us back full circle to the original question. Remember the original question a few moments ago? Why? As we talk about going deeper and wider, why take this seriously? Why pay attention? Why make this a priority in the midst of everything else? Because God is inviting you on this journey. This journey of transformation. Because God is inviting, is inviting you into this journey of what he is doing that will move you beyond yourself into the bigger story of what Jesus describes as the kingdom of God. So if you haven't started, this is an invitation to begin. And if you have started, this is an invitation to take next steps. And having talked about the why, let me just ask one more question. It's kind of, now what? I mean, what might this look like in your life, in my life, over the next year? So let me just come back to things we talked about before, but just different ways you can participate. Throughout this year, as we go through different seasons of the year, we're going to encourage you to practice certain spiritual rhythms. For some of us, these are rhythms that are already part of our lives. For others of us, this, this can be new. And so throughout the year, we're going to be making these cards available that kind of give you guidance on how to kind of incorporate certain spiritual practices into your life. Practices like prayer, engaging God in scripture, community, relationships. And we're going to be talking about those over the next year. And what you'll find on these cards are just some simple uh, words of guidance and instruction, things to think about, uh, resources, uh, kind of best practices. Also on our website, there will be a, there's a spiritual rhythms tab that you'll find under the deeper and wider page that will give you this information. And throughout the year, we'll also provide links to videos or short podcasts that can help you in each of these different rhythms. And so uh, as we start in the fall, the rhythm that we're going to be focusing on is prayer. And so over the course of these next few weeks, the different cards will kind of lead you through different ways to incorporate prayer or to take next steps in, in how you pray. So I'd encourage you to be a part of that. For instance, one of the things as you work through these cards that you'll notice is we're, we're encouraging you with a couple of different passages of Scripture to pray through Scripture. And for some of us, that can be 
That's a new thing. Maybe, you know, I'm accustomed to praying, but when I, when I think about prayer, I think about bringing my request to God. You know, here are the things on my heart. Here's things going on in my life. And I just, that's how I pray. And that's an important part of prayer. But, but a, a next step for you might be just learning how do, how do you actually incorporate scripture into your prayer and just take time to pray through passages as you read them. And so as we go through this year in different ways, we want to encourage you to grow and, and develop these spiritual practices because these practices just kind of create space for that transformation that Paul talks about to happen in your life and mine. So that's one way that you can be a part. And furthermore, as, as I've mentioned already, when you pay attention to these passages in Scripture, it's clear that God's vision for us involves relationships. God's vision for us involves community. And so as a church, we want to be intentional in providing you those opportunities. That's why we provide a variety of different group environments where you can get connected from larger connect groups that meet on Sunday, different times of the week, groups for men and women, our small groups, our live, love, lead groups. All of these environments provide opportunities where you can get connected. And one of the things I like to challenge people is, I, I said, I, I love to see you on Sunday morning, but I think at some point, you need to be connected in a group where you're missed if you're not there. At some point, you need to be in an environment where you're not just looking at the back of the heads of the people in front of you. That's part of what this journey looks like. And so if, if, if you're willing to consider that step, if you're not connected in any group environment like that right now, let me just highlight again that tonight is our starter group night where we introduce you just to our Live, Love, Lead groups, which is just, these are environments where you get together with other people, usually 8 to 12. Most of our groups meet twice a month, and, and we, right, we pray together, we learn together, we encourage one another, we do life together. And tonight, we will kind of explain what that looks like, and if, you're, if you would like to test drive that, we'll give you the opportunity to do so, just to be part of a starter group, and and you can, you know, try this out for four sessions and see if this is a good fit for you. And if not, well, at the end, you, you, you just, you can do something else. So if, if you're open to considering that, can I just invite you and encourage you, challenge you to be here tonight? It's not going to be a high-pressure thing. Trust me, it's not a timeshare presentation, okay? So, right? Um, but, but that's one thing that I would encourage you to consider. And also, depending on kind of where you're at in, in your life story right now, let me mention two other opportunities. Highlight them again for you. One is Alpha, because I realize some of you are here, and maybe you would say, George, you're talking as if all of us are followers of Jesus. But maybe you would say, I'm not really sure where I'm at. I'm curious. I'm open. Maybe I'm somewhat skeptical, but I've got a lot of questions. And I realize sometimes it feels like church is not a place to ask the questions that you have, you know. So who is God? Who is Jesus? Those kinds of questions. And so Alpha is, is it's, it's a 10-week, it's a 10-session um, opportunity just to find a safe place to have those conversations, to gather around a meal, to get to know other people. There's a video presentation and just a time, a non-threatening environment for conversation. 
So if you would say, George, I'm, I'm just really kind of exploring. I'm somewhat interested, maybe. I'm, I'm not really sure what I believe. But if, if you're willing to kind of take a next step, this is an opportunity for you. Likewise, if there's someone in your life who would kind of fit that description, and you've got the opportunity to say, hey, I'll go along with you if, if you want to have those kinds of questions addressed and have those kinds of conversations. And that actually starts this Thursday, this, the 14th of September. It'll be in Hummelstown. We'll be off-site. And so, again, if, if that's a next step for you, can I just encourage you to take it? The other thing that I will mention this morning is just maybe you're kind of, you're in a different place. You're at a place where you would say, okay, George, I have started the journey of following Jesus. And maybe for some of us, it's like I've, I've been a follower of Jesus for a long time, but, but George, to be honest with you, it often feels like I go to church, I read the Bible, I have all these puzzle pieces, but I don't know how they fit together. And I kind of hear a lot on Sundays, and I read a lot, but I'm, I'm still not really sure as a follower of Jesus what, what this needs to look like and, and how I embrace this journey of transformation that we've been talking about. Well, this fall, we're adding something new called Discover the Gospel, and the goal of this 10-session process is to kind of help people that have already started the journey understand what this big message of the gospel looks like and not only understand it but understand what it means to live as part of it. So Deb Hinkle and I are going to be leading this, facilitating this and it will begin on the 21st so that's a week from Thursday and so if that is something that is a next step for you can I encourage you to join us on the 21st just to try it out? You can find more information at our website under the Deeper and Wider tab. So here are a couple of opportunities, ways in which you can get involved. Why? Because God is inviting you on this journey of transformation. Now with that in mind, I'm going to kind of close a little bit differently. As I've said, the the prayer rhythm for this season involves prayer. And one of the things we want to encourage you to do is pray through Scripture. So here's how I want to close. I want to bring you back to that passage from 2 Corinthians. And what I want to do is let's just take a moment to pray through this. And let's do it together. So listen to these words again. Paul says, And we all, with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory. Can you just acknowledge, if you're a follower of Jesus right now, just, in, just acknowledge beforehand, Father, thank you. Thank you for bringing me into this relationship through the work of Christ where I can be in relationship with you. <laughs> thank you for bringing me into this relationship where I can engage you with an unveiled face. And as you pray that, hear these words. Because Paul says we are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory.
Father, thank you that it's your desire in our lives to bring about transformation. Would you just acknowledge that right now? And I think maybe for some of us, we just need to confess, God, I, I, I'm not sure I've really bought into understanding what your vision for my life is, but this is what it looks like. So just acknowledge that this is what he wants to do in your life. And for some of us, maybe even as we acknowledge that, we know there are places where he desires to bring about transformation. And maybe you just need to bring those, you just need to bring those to God right now. And the passage concludes with, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And I think this is an acknowledgement that Christ works through his Spirit. So could we just acknowledge, Father, I want to be open to the ways in which your spirit seeks to be at work in my life. Can we just acknowledge that right now? And let me lead us in a closing prayer. So Father, thank you that this is your ultimate goal for our lives. Father, thank you for the work of your spirit made possible through the work of Jesus Christ. And may we be open to the ways in which you, you're seeking, even over this next year, to bring about transformation. And Father, I pray that ultimately the things we do and the activities that are going to be part of our, the life of our church, I pray they wouldn't simply be things on a calendar, but I pray that they would be places where your spirit is at work so that more and more we are taking steps on your journey for our lives. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to invite now members of our prayer team to be here at the front. and We'd love to pray with you about what this looks like in your life. And so if you would like us to pray with you, we're going we're gonna to make ourselves available. So now as you go, I pray you would go with a deepening sense of God's vision for your life, which is nothing less than transformation. Amen.